Good morning, family of God and all you who are joining us today. I want to open today's message with a question. How many of you would like to see a whole lot more righteousness, peace, and joy in our world? How many of you would like to see more righteousness, peace, and joy in your own life? Righteousness is rightness. It's justice. It's equity. It's truthfulness. That's what righteousness is. I think we need a lot more of that in the world right now. And peace is soul peace, personal peace. People are really struggling. And it is relational peace. Boy, do we need that. And it is societal peace. And then joy is the opposite of sadness and depression. And so today I want to talk to you about how we can experience more righteousness, peace, and joy in the earth because we need it. Now, we're not seeing very much of this in the earth right now, but do you know there is a place where you can always experience an abundance of righteousness, peace, and joy 24-7? Do you know where that place is? It's called the kingdom of God. Look what this scripture says. It says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What we need, family of God, is a mighty wave of God's spirit uh, crashing on the shores of our lives and our nation, releasing enormous measures of righteousness, peace, and joy. And he can do it. That's why we're beginning a new series today called The Kingdom. So many of us have our eyes right now on the kingdom of man. And we ought not. We are the church. Where are our eyes supposed to be? On the king and his kingdom. Do you know that there are three kingdoms? There's the kingdom of man. There's the kingdom of Satan. And there's the kingdom of God. And there's only one of those kingdoms that has righteousness, peace, and joy in it. It is not the kingdom of Satan for sure. And as we can see, it is not the kingdom of man. Only the kingdom of God, the the whole nature of God's kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. So what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is God's people. Wherever you go, if you are a child of the king, wherever you go, that's where the kingdom is. You say, who, me? Yes, who else? When Jesus calls you into his kingdom, he fills you with his righteousness, his peace, and his joy. And then he sends us into the world. You see, really, there's a battle over the earth. You have the kingdom of God. You have the kingdom of Satan. And the battleground is the kingdom of man. The kingdom of man is controlled by and ruled by either the kingdom of Satan or the kingdom of God, or there's a mixture depending on how much spiritual warfare we're winning. Look, without the church on its knees praying and releasing righteousness, peace, and joy everywhere we go, the earth would just be consumed with darkness. It's only the church that is holding back the powers of darkness from literally blanking in the earth with darkness. But you know what God says? The Bible says in the end times, the glory of the Lord is going to flood the earth 
Well, how, what's that going to look like? It's because his people are all over the earth. Where you go, that's where the kingdom of God goes. And so I want us to get our eyes off of the kingdom of man. And let's get our eyes on the kingdom of God. You know, God raises one up. God pulls one down. Exaltation is not from the east or from the west, but from the Lord above. So let's not all get wrapped around the axle about the kingdom of man. Let's get wrapped around the axle about the kingdom of God, because God is in control. So whether you are a mom raising kids at home or a dad raising kids at home or an architect or an engineer or an artist or a custodian or a elementary school student, a high school student, a college student, a professor, whatever you do as an occupation or whatever your station is in life, it's not important what you're doing. It's how you're doing it. Are you expressing the kingdom of God in the earth? Look what Jesus said to his first disciples. He said, as you go, as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. Well, how was it there? Because Jesus' disciples were there. And look what he told them to do. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely you you give. You see, they were expressing the kingdom. They were expressing the righteousness, peace, and joy of the king everywhere they went. And listen to this. Listen to Jesus' first sermon. This is it. From that time... Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. To repent means you're facing this way, and Jesus turns you around, and now you're facing this way. You're in the kingdom of man, being ruled by the kingdom of darkness, but Jesus turns you around and says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do you know that when you give your life to Jesus, that you are literally transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus instantaneously. Look at this scripture. In the book of Colossians 1, verse 13 and 14 says this, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. It's that word... That word uh, transferred there is, is the word conveyor. It's like a conveyor belt, like at the grocery store, right? You got your groceries on the conveyor belt, and then they go underneath the scanner. It goes beep, and you pay for them, and then they're on the other side. And now those are yours. You can bag them up and take them home. Well, guess what? When you gave your life to Jesus, you were on a conveyor belt, and you went under the, the, the uh, scanner, and beep, you were bought by the blood of Jesus. And now you're on the other side, and God bags you up and takes you home. You belong to Jesus, He's your king. You, you are a son or daughter of the king. You're a citizen of heaven in the earth. We've got to know who we are, what our assignment is, so that we can take over the powers of darkness. The Bible says that the reason Jesus came to the earth was to destroy the works of the devil. The devil's a mean devil. He's a bad devil. He hurts people. You and I have come to set people free with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's your assignment. Look what Jesus said to the Apostle Paul. He said, and the Lord replied, this is the Apostle Paul talking about when Jesus appeared to him after Jesus rose from the dead. This is Paul's own testimony. He says this, and the Lord replied to the Apostle Paul and said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. 
Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. Now watch this. I am sending you, Paul, to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. You see, it's a transfer of kingdoms. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Now look, if you are not in the kingdom of God because you have not yet received the king as your king and pledge allegiance to him, given him your life so that your sins can be forgiven, or maybe you're in the kingdom of God, but you don't live with this paradigm. You're living in the kingdom of man and you don't experience the righteousness, peace, and joy that has been offered to you because you're not focusing on the kingdom of God. You're focusing on the earth, which is so easy, especially with social media and all the outlets we have and all the bickering and fighting going on and battling over the power and the control of who's going to rule our nation and who's going to rule the earth. You get so caught up in it, your attention's completely off the kingdom of God. That's where your righteousness, peace, and joy went. And so if that's the condition you're living in, you're living fearful, fretful, and frantic. But Jesus does not want you to live that way. And so today I want us to look at a teaching Jesus gave where he taught what it looks like to live in the kingdom of man or to live in the kingdom of God. And so let's look at this starting in the book of Luke chapter 12, verse 13 through 15. And we're going to look at four C's of the kingdom of God. All right, here we go. Then one from the crowd said to Jesus, the teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Can you imagine that? Here's Jesus, minding his own business. I'll just teach in the crowds and some dude pops off and says, Hey, Jesus, tell my brother to give me my inheritance. And uh, what does Jesus say? But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And then he said to them, to the crowd, Take heed and beware of all covetousness. That's greed, jealousy, envy. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Don't you know that dude wishes he'd never popped off and asked Jesus to help him get his slice of the pie? Jesus used his greed and covetousness as a lesson for everybody who was there. But you see, Jesus has come to set us free from that stuff. Jesus is going to help us today get ourselves detached from loving this present life and loving the kingdom of God. Now, there's four C's I want us to cover today. The first C is our covetousness. We all have it. We covet one another. Uh, you covet you know, each other's homes. Whose home's bigger? Well, mine is. Oh, I guess you win. Oh. Look at that car. Oh, you got a nicer car than I do. I guess you win. How much money you have in the bank account? Oh, I guess you win. You know, it's like people comparing spouses. And I want you to know, by the way, I won that one. So sorry. And you get on social media and the comparison body image, right? I wish I looked like her. I looked like him. I mean, the, the, the comparison, the way the media, uh, um, 
targets our self-esteem and our self-worth with what we own and what we accomplished, it's, it's, it's devastating. And it, and it destroys your, your sense of self-love and, and uh, your ability to relate well to others rather than coveting what they have. You can't love somebody well if you're coveting what they have. You know, that's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not cover, covet your neighbor's wife. You know, our eyes are always roaming and we always want something more. We always want something different. Look, that is what advertising's uh, entire strategy is, is to make you and I unsatisfied with what we have. And if you just bought this, you would be truly happy. And we, we buy it. We buy into it. We bite the bait. We take it. And then we go into deep debt and, and we're suffering and we're clawing and clamoring. Jesus talks about this. We'll get into this in just a minute. You know, one time I, uh, you know, we went, I was talking to an estate lawyer and she said, it's amazing when somebody dies and there's an estate to be settled. She said, I've been doing this now for, I think it was 20 years. And she said, I've never seen a family do it well. You know, when there's a pile of money on the table and there's a handful of people in the room, and there's like a few million dollars, you know, what's in your heart's really going to come out. And she even said this, and this broke my heart. She said, I would see a good Christian family come in. I would, and she would think to herself, this family, they're going to do it right. She said, I've never seen it. People just start fighting and clawing and accusing. And it's, you know, Jesus talks about that, that we cannot live covetous lives. We have to be very, very careful with this first seed. So, Jesus goes on to use this covetousness. Uh, you know, I'm sure the guy wished he had stopped by now. Maybe some of you wish I would stop by now because this is this this is hitting close to home, isn't it? But sorry, Jesus goes on. Let's read what he says about living a covetous, greedy, jealous, envious life. He says, Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Uh, since I have no more room to store my crops. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater Then I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. That was a Greek philosophy at that time. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool. <laughs> no. I don't think any of us want God calling us a fool, but that's how you can be considered a fool in heaven's eyes. If you and I live for the materialistic world that we live in, trying to accumulate all we can get, you know, get all you can, can all you get and sit on the can. And we think that's going to bring us righteousness, peace and joy. No, that's why we don't have it. Fool, God says, this night your soul will be required of you. Then who's Will those things be which you have provided? And then he goes, he ends by saying, so is he who lays up treasure for himself, but is not rich toward God. Now he didn't say you can't be rich. God doesn't have a problem with us being rich. It's what you do with your riches. That's what matters. I know a lot of rich people and they are incredible givers. They're benevolent. They're, they're servants. I mean, look, to think that all rich people are, are evil is evil. I mean, are there some greedy rich people? Yeah, but guess what? There's some greedy poor people too. 
Greed has to do with the heart, not what you have in your hands. I mean, you can be rich and poor at the same time. Jesus said this to the churches in Revelation. He says, you, you think you, you, you have all and, and you're, you're full and you don't need anything. He said, you are wretched, blind, and poor. But then to the poor, like the woman who put her last penny in the offering, Jesus said, this woman has given more than anybody. You see, when I was in Ethiopia, and I was back in the villages with, with, and I mean this literally dirt poor, like their hut, their, their floor was dirt. And I mean, it was, I mean, they don't even know that cell phones have been invented. They don't have computers and have TVs and have any of that. And yet, you know what? They had joy in their eyes and they would break their bread and give me part of the little that they had. I mean, one in five babies die from a lack of access to water or to clean water. And I'm in their hut and they're giving me their food. It was humbling, but they had such joy. I have found this all over the world. I have found that some of the, some of the people that have and they want more and more and more and more are some of the most miserable people in the world. In fact, do you know that the United States has more depression than any other country? We have more and yet we have less. And yet these countries I go to where, where, where they're poor, all they have is each other. And so they have joy in community. They don't have advertisers telling them, you need more, you need more, you need more. It was a, it was a paradox for me when I first went there. I thought, wow, these people have so much more joy than me and my friends who live in America. That's why Jesus says that your life does not consist of the amount of things that you possess, not real life. That's what he's talking about. So now Jesus shifts our attention from covetousness to the antidote to covetousness. And these are the last three C's. Let's continue reading. Now, what I'm going to read right now is a passage very familiar to us. Um, we put it on bumper stickers. We put it on the scripture of the day. We text it to each other. Uh, it's on the front cover of books. But do you know what Jesus is about to say is connected to what we just read? You have to read the covetousness, the greed, the jealousy, the envy part before you understand that what Jesus is about to say is the antidote to the covetousness that he was addressing. So here we go. So Jesus says this, then he said to his disciples, this is so important. Jesus was talking to the crowd about covetousness. Now he turns and talks to the kingdom citizens. He talks to the followers, the members of the kingdom of God, his disciples. And now he's talking to them specifically. And he says this, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food. And the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, but God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God clothes the grass, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind for all the, for all these things, all these things, the nations of the world seek after. And your father knows that you need these things. Key phrase. But seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms to the poor, to the needy. Provide for yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Bam. Jesus just does the mic drop on us on how to get set free from covetousness, greed, jealousy, and envy. So these three C's are the conquerors to the one C covetousness. What are these three C's from this text we just read? The father's care, the father's capability, and the father's call on your life. I'm going to unpack these very quickly, but these are the antidotes to being sucked into the materialism of our world. The father's care for you, the father's capability, and the father's call to you. Let's look at these. The father's care. You know, it's really hard for us to believe that the God of the universes, I mean, he slung all these galaxies into existence, even knows your name, that he's even paying attention to you. You know, the psalmist thought the same thing. The psalmist, King David, but he got a revelation that God actually cares for him deeply and personally. And so he wrote this in Psalm 8.3. It says this, I look at your heavens, which you made with your fingers. I see the moon and the stars, which you created. Then he asked this question, but why are people even important to you? Have you ever asked that question? You ever thought that anyway? You know, why, why does God even find me important? Why do you take care of human beings? This psalmist was the same psalmist that wrote Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You see, he understood that he was God's sheep and God was his shepherd. And see, David was a shepherd. He knew how to take care of sheep. That's why in that text we read, Jesus said, don't fear little flock. A little flock is a terminology in the shepherding industry that means a a easily frightened group of sheep. Jesus calls us little flock. Don't fear. My father knows what you need. Don't seek after all these things that the world's seeking after. You can enjoy them. We can be in the world, but we're not of the world. We're not living for the world. And Jesus said he'll add all these things to us. That's what I found. My wife and I found over the 30 plus years, we've been walking with the Lord and married 25. I'm walking with the Lord almost 40 years. The Lord has added so many things to us that we we didn't have to strive for. We're seeking his kingdom. And then he just adds these things to us. It is, it, it works. And you don't have to stress and be anxious and worried and fret and claw and gouge. Good fathers joyfully provide for their the needs of their kids. I mean, don't you love fathers, mothers? Don't you love providing for your kids? I mean, of course you're going to provide for your kids, you know? When you understand that you are a well-loved child of the father and that he deeply cares for you, I'm telling you, it just, when you get anxious and you think about that, wait a minute, I'm a well-loved child of the father in heaven. He sees me. He knows me. He created me. I mean, look, do you think, moms and dads, that your care for your child 
meeting their needs, do do you think that you and I are better than God? Of course not. That love you have for your child comes from God because you and I are made in his image. That's why you and I can go to our father at any time and just pour out our heart to him because he cares so deeply about you. Look what this scripture says. Put, pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there for he always tenderly cares for you. That's 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. When you throw yourself totally into God's arms, he then takes the responsibility to provide for you. You know, I think about this rescue dog that uh, we we adopted a while back, Pepper. And I tell you, this dog worships Hope. I mean, Pepper, she literally like lays on Hope's chest all day and just stares up into her face. I look at Pepper adoring Hope and I think, I don't even think I love Jesus that much. <laughs> Sorry, Jesus. But I mean, her adoration is off the hook, right? And Hope, I mean, provides for that little rescue puppy. I mean, guess what? I mean, so much so that hope without discussing it with me. This is the day I realized I got traded in. When I woke up and Pepper's nose was nose to nose with me in bed, staring at me in my eyes. And I thought, we didn't talk about this. (laughs) Hope is taking care of that little rescue dog, whether I like it or not, right? I mean, look, you're better than the ravens. The ravens were the worst bird in Israel. They were called unclean. They're the bottom of the bird uh, totem pole. And Jesus purposely uses the ravens as an example. Or the grass of the field that gets burned up. And, you know, like a day. You know, you're better than a raven. You're better than the grass. And sorry, Pepper, but you're better than a dog. God, you, you and I are God's children. Of course he's going to take care of us. I think about when... Uh, Hope and I had our firstborn, Elliot. And uh, this is going to lead us into our second C, our third C. The first is covetous. The second one is the father's care. This is going to lead us into our, our third C. Look, I don't know how many of you have had children or if you remember the first one, the day they came home from the hospital. <laughs> we came home from the hospital. We pull up into our driveway. We turn off the engine. And we both look into the back seat and there's Elliot, pacifier in his mouth, locked into the car seat, looking at us, staring at us on. (laughs) And Hope and I, this, we panicked. It's like this little kid's life is totally dependent on us knowing what the heck we're doing. And we don't know what we're doing. I'm thinking this kid is doomed, right? Well, certainly we cared deeply for our son, but how to take care of him? We weren't quite sure. Let me tell you something. God knows how to take care of you. He doesn't have to look in, you know, what to expect when you're expecting. He doesn't have to read that book. And this leads us to the third C, and that is the father's capability. We have the father's care, and now we have the father's capability. You might think that God cares about you, but you might not think he's capable to solve all of your problems and your issues. You might, you might not admit that, but guess what? Your stress tells a different story. When you and I are anxious and stressful, 
It's either that we don't believe God cares or we don't think God can. When you and I get stressed out, we are unpleasant people. You get that project at work. You got too much month at the end of the money. You uh, you had that homework assignment at school and you're late and you can't get it done. And you're just, or I'm trying to prepare a sermon and it's, and I'm not getting it. And this time's coming and you get stressed out, right? And it just turns us into awful people, ugly people. Nobody likes to be around you. You don't even like yourself. And then when this homework assignment is done or you get the A or you, you get your need met or God comes through and the stress is released and the joy comes, the Bible says that anxiety in the heart of a person causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. You see, we were not designed to handle stress and anxiety and worry and fretfulness. That's why the antidote to that is trust. Trusting that God cares and trusting that God can. But we all have to fight for this trust. I mean, even Abraham, right? God says he's going to have a miracle child. It took 25 years. And in year 24, Abraham's still not believing it. And God had to say to him, and he says to you and me today, is there anything too hard for the Lord? You see, when we can settle that question and say, no, nothing. Then when life throws hard things at us, we know we have a father who cares and we have a father who can. I mean, could you imagine, you know, interviewing God for a job position? You know, I mean, I think he might be a little overqualified, you know, let's say an engineering position. Well, uh, I did frame the universes. Oh, okay. Uh, what about a creative position like an advertising industry? Well, I do produce pretty awesome sunsets pretty much on a daily basis. Uh, okay, you're going to be in the, the money management business. Oh, all right. Well, I did put the gold in the garden. Uh, okay, what about leadership abilities? Well, I do have a couple billion followers right now. <laughs> I think God is capable of taking care of you and I. We can live carefree lives when we trust. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach us. He's trying to get us to that place where we live carefree lives. I learned this when I was in business and God just taught me that uh, if we would be all in with him, that he would be all in with us. And so that's what we did. We decided our business belonged to the kingdom of God. Of course, we gave a percentage of our personal income, but then we also gave, I was in business here in San Diego before I was a pastor. We gave a percentage of our, our gross profit from our business. And that is when God's capacity, God's capability exploded in our lives. I mean, we were down and out when we decided that we're turning everything over to God. It's a lot easier to do it when you're down and out. Prosperity is one of the worst things that can happen to your walk with God. It's so much harder to be dependent on God when you don't have any needs. But when you're needy, you call out to God. And so we did. But that did a great thing in us. It turned us uh, over to God taking care of us. So God prospered our business and we destroyed industry records. 50 years of industry records just obliterated them. And, and so people were trying to put us out of business. People were trying to compete with us. And we were just righteousness, peace, and joy righteousness, peace, and joy, because this is the father's business. We're just his sons, right? And so one business tried to put us out of business and we warned them. We said, you don't want to do this. We serve the king, Jesus, and his kingdom. And he laughed at us. But guess what? They went out of business and we didn't. God will take care of you.
Um, you know, a lot of us are really battling uh, with depression. Some are really dealing with suicide ideation, uh, uh, sadness and confusion. And I mean, it's, it's really, some people are really going through some tough stuff right now. And uh, my son, Josiah, he's not you know, that bad, but he was sad. You know, I mean, he's 16 and I've, you know, uh, what, how many 16? I think I have three 16 year olds. Is that right? And, uh, so, and 14 year old and a 19 and a 21, I think I got that right. And so they're not going to school and they're not seeing their friends and, you know, it's really hard and they're quarantined. And, and so Josiah took his hand cycle and he, uh, rode down the country road here in Ramona down to the airport and he sat on a rock and he just got honest with God. And he says, God, I'm sad. I, I, I want to be happy. Will you make me happy? And he sat there on the rock. And do you know what happened? He and I took a walk uh, the next day and he told me what happened. I said, well, what did God say? He goes, he didn't say anything, but all of a sudden I felt this joy in my heart. I was like, yes. He had his own encounter with God. That's what you and I need to do. You need to turn to God, turn to him, pour your heart to him. He'll listen to you. He cares for you and he can do something about it. And this leads us to the last part. And that is, this is the key to the whole thing. The antidote to covetousness is the father's care, the father's uh, capability to take care of any, any need you have. And thirdly, the father call on your life. What is his call? His call is for you to come to the King, Jesus, and to be about his kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the earth. When you are all in, I'm telling you what happens. When you're all in for God, God will be all in for you. Now, God's already all in for you. But you don't get experience that until you're all in for him. He's not going to force his way into your life. He is ready and willing. He's already sacrificed his son for you. The Bible says if he did not spare his own son, will he not freely give us all things? The Bible says, we read this. It, is, it gives the Father great pleasure. It makes him happy to give you the kingdom. He owns everything. He knows your spirit, soul, and body. And he can meet every need that you have. And when you decide, I'm crossing the line, my life is not mine. I was bought with a price. I went down the conveyor belt. Boop, the blood of Jesus bought me. I belong to him. I am a child of the king. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I just happen to be living on the earth right now. I'm headed home to heaven one day. But while I'm on the earth, whether I'm at school or whether I'm at work or whether I'm at home or whether I'm in business, whatever it is, my assignment is to represent King Jesus with right his righteousness his peace, and his joy wherever I go. That's why God said in Isaiah 60, verse 1, gross darkness is going to cover the earth and darkness the people, but my light, my glory is going to be seen upon my people. What is that light? Your righteousness, peace, and joy. The way you behave, the way you relate to people. Is it the way Jesus would be relate to people? What you type on Facebook? Would Jesus type that? What you post? What you say? How you vote? Whatever it might be, what you do with your money. Is it, are you expressing the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy wherever you go? That's your assignment.
Jesus began this warning about greed. This Jesus began this warning to us. It was about greed, but he ends it with the antidote to greed. The last thing he said was sell what you have. Give to those who are in need. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where thief can't take it and moth can't destroy it. And where your treasures, your heart will be. What Jesus is saying is the antidote, antidote to greed is giving. Don't be a, don't be an accumulator. Don't be a consumer, be a contributor. Don't be a taker, be a giver. Uh, and it's not just material things. Give your time. Give your talents to the kingdom of God. Give your ear to somebody who just needs to pour out their heart to you. Give your patience. Give mercy. Come on, you need mercy too. You got to give it. God says, God says that those who show mercy will receive mercy. Show grace. Show patience. Show kindness. Be a giver. I'm telling you, you cannot outgive God. And you know what Jesus said? That every in that passage, he said, every time you give, you make a deposit in your heavenly account. And as you do this, he says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Your heart will follow where your money is. Your heart will follow where your attention is. Be like pepper. Put your attention. Like the apostle John put his face, his head on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper and looked up into Jesus' face. Wow. Let's be like that. Let's get our eyes off the kingdom of man. Let's put them on the king and on his kingdom. He will give you righteousness, peace, and joy. And he will add all these other things to you. So I want to ask you as we close this morning, are you in the kingdom? There's only one way in. It's through Jesus. He's the king of the kingdom. Jesus said, no one comes to the father except through me. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you have not yet come to Jesus, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do it right now. I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to ask you to follow me. Just repeat. But Jesus sees you right where you are. He knows you and he knows your situation. And he is calling you into his kingdom right now. But he won't force you. You have to come. And so if you're ready to experience this righteousness, peace, and joy that I've been talking to you about today, that's the entrance into the kingdom. That's the first thing you're going to experience. So I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to have you repeat this. But you're not praying it to me. You're praying it to him. So just close your eyes right where you are. And just pray this prayer out loud. Jesus, I'm giving my life to you right now. I need you in my life. I ask you to forgive my sins. And I confess you today as my Savior and my King. I am yours. All of me is now yours. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I'll tell you what you're feeling right now. You're feeling a release of a burden. That's the burden of your guilt and sin and shame, and worry and stress falling off of you. You're experiencing the peace of the King. His name is the Prince of Peace. Now, for those of you who are in the kingdom, are you experiencing the righteousness, peace, and joy that God has promised you? Many are not. And so I want you to pray 
a prayer with me today. And then I want you to ask Jesus a question, and then we're going to close. Would you put your hand over your heart with me? Those of you who are already in the kingdom of God, you're a child of the king, you've accepted Jesus as your savior, I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me. Would you repeat this? Just close your eyes. Say, Father, I believe that you care about me. I believe you see me. And I believe you're capable to meet my every need. And I accept the call today to be about the kingdom of God everywhere I go for the rest of my life. Amen. Now, I want to close with this question. Just close your eyes again and ask Jesus this question. Jesus, what can I do to express your righteousness, peace, and joy in the world? And just keep your eyes closed and just listen for a minute. You can ask him again. Jesus, what can I do to express your righteousness, peace, and joy in the earth? Now just listen. Okay, now look at me. Whatever thought came to your mind, whatever person came to your mind, whatever assignment he just gave to you, do that. That's the beginning. And we will bring some light into this dark world. All right. God bless you. Leave your comments in the thread. Tell me what your takeaway from this message was today. And I'll see you next week as we continue on the series, The Kingdom.